I, I do want to take a moment to thank everybody who came out to support my family for my grandfather's funeral. Come on, give yourself a round of applause. I want to thank, um, I do want to thank Lori and um, Carla and Carlos and Melvin. Uh, they went above and beyond. We just thank God for that. They were here both days, all day, cleaning, doing everything. And we thank God for that. Amen? I want to grab the hand of the person next. We're going to say a prayer. I'm going to try and make this as quick as possible because we have a, a little kids thing going on, and I see some snow. Amen? Thank God for some. I had some sissies call me. I'm not going to get stuck in traffic because I don't want to go to this church. And I told them, you're going to hell. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> come on, let's say a prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this house. We thank you for your undeniable glory. We thank you as we come today to celebrate, God, that you've given us a sacrifice of your son over 2,000 years ago. We ask you, Lord, right now to have your word permeate our hearts as we sit here, God, as we came not just for an occasion, God, but we came to, to hear from your lips, God. And we thank you, Lord, for the word that you prepared in this place. Somebody say, I'm following a star. Say it to your neighbor, I'm following a star. Although we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, uh, it is not really known if today is the day that he was born, amen? But today we have chosen to celebrate the birth of our Christ. If you notice, um, I want to just throw this out there. I am, um, got my notes on my super cool new iPad that I got for Christmas. In case somebody thought that I think I'm cool, I do. Amen? I had to throw that out there. Um, Christmas as a, as a whole has been hijacked by retail outlets. Nobody, nobody want to talk about that right now. Been molested by secular society. Its true meaning has all been lost. Our kids are in expectation of Santa and have no recollection of Jesus. We have ingrained into our children stories about a fat man sliding down your chimney and dropping off gifts all over the world in one place at one time. You with me? You're smiling like crazy. Oh my goodness. And uh, I don't understand this. This fat man lives in a city in the north. Um, he's a resemblance of the world's type of Jesus, where he lives in the city of the north, the city of Zion, as the Bible says. Uh, Santa Claus comes robed in red and white, which is the colors of righteousness and the blood that was shed for you on Calvary. Y'all don't pick this stuff up. It's just a story, isn't it? And what we don't realize is that he's everywhere at once and he's always watching you, which is something only God can do. My point that I'm trying to make across to you today is that Christmas is about one thing, the gift of salvation. It was the birth of salvation as we know it. It was the birth of Jesus, amen? And I don't understand how our children don't know how to pray or memorize any type of Bible verses, but they can write a letter to Santa. Uh-huh. They can write a letter to Santa, and they can name all the reindeer, but they can't tell you the 12 apostles. They know every Christmas carol there is, but they don't know no Christian songs. And we wonder what's wrong with our kids. Last night, my nephew, Santa brought me this, Santa brought me that. Jesus brought you that. No, he didn't. Poor little kid, I was, every time I went into the living room, he was opening up another gift, and the problem was that he had opened all his gifts already. And so all the gifts he was opening were not his. And so me and his mother were rewrapping gifts before everybody came over because he was opening up, because he thought everything was for him. Isn't it amazing how kids have an expectation of Christmas? But when's the last time our children really knew what Christmas was about? When's the last time you knew what Christmas was about? There is a distinct loss of what Christmas is about. The meaning, there's a loss of it, amen? And the meaning of it 
is the cost of following Jesus. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's the cost of following Jesus. And I, as I prepared for the holidays, I, a resounding reminder followed me that there was a cost to follow Christ. Amen? There was a cost. Uh, salvation is free, but there's a maintenance cost. It's like when they give you a free phone for signing up for a new cellular phone. You know what I'm talking about? But it comes with a contract. And you are paying. That's like salvation. It comes free, but there's something behind it. Amen? And less and less people these days are willing to pay the price. And as I began to look into the scripture, a story stood out to me. And the deeper I dug into the story, the more it amazed me, the more it shocked me. Amen? Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 through 12, but I want to breeze through this. It's Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, amen? And it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Somebody say disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him. Now, I paused there, and as I read this, I began to wonder, why would Jerusalem be stirred? Because the king was mad. I understood that um, King Herod is not even an Israelite. He's a Roman king. He's, a, he's actually from a country called Edom. They didn't like him. They hated him. But why would they be afraid of these three wise men um, who walked into his presence and said, where's the king of the Jews? Understand that up until this point in history... Herod was known as the king of the Jews, amen? I'm going to paint a picture here for you. Herod was known as the king of the Jews. Now, what Herod did, he was such a mentally disturbed man, Herod was afraid of everyone stealing his throne. And Herod killed his wife. Herod killed his father-in-law, his uncles, his mother-in-law, all of his brothers, and he killed his own children just to ensure that no one would steal his throne. So here these now, three wise men come into his presence and say, I know you have the title of king, but I came to ask you where the king is who was born. And if you can't understand the depth, those guys were thugs. They walked into this murderous room, who they knew he killed his whole family, and they said, by the way, we're looking for the real king. Do you know where he's at? There's a cost to following Christ. It's like when you, when you give your life to God and what happens is you have to walk into the devil's place in your own life where you've allowed him to set up shop and say, listen, I found the new king named Jesus and I can't serve you no more and I'm going to have to ask you to kindly leave. There's a cost to following Jesus. Y'all with me so far? They were afraid. Uh, all of Jerusalem was afraid when the king got upset because they knew. Herod was such an evil man that when he knew he was about to die, he arrested all the most prominent citizens of Jerusalem and gave an order that when he died, that they kill all those people. Because he knew nobody would mourn his death, but he wanted there to be mourning when he died. Tell the person next to you, this is a bad man. So ruthless was he that... In just a few verses, if you read ahead, um, in Matthew 2, Herod ordered that all the children be killed. Two years and under, in all of Bethlehem and Jerusalem, all over Israel, hundreds of thousands of babies murdered. All of the nation 
was afraid of this man. But here these group of men come in, these men facing unimaginable dangers, following the star that would lead them to Jesus. And many of us in this room follow Christ, and we face dangers, amen? You face, uh, you face judgment, criticism. You face all types of just gossip. You face all types of hardships. I found it funny that when I first came to Christ, really, because I was always in church my whole life, when I decided to serve God for real, if you know what I'm talking about, and anybody who just came to Christ, you will realize that, like Herod, the devil orders that all your new stuff get killed. That's when your new car breaks down. You lose your new job, you break your new cell phone, and all the little things add up just to irritate you. You with me so far? Do we have to stand up and do jumping jacks? You have to understand the depth of the dangers they faced. And as I heard it put years ago, these men were following a star. The problem with following a star is that you have to travel at night. So you have these three rich men traveling at night looking for Jesus, coming from a far place, so far that if you realize that the Bible says that Herod asked the people, the three wise men, they asked him something. They said, what time did you see this star? And when they told him the time frame, now get this, they told him the time frame, so he ordered that every child two years and under be killed. That lets me know they were traveling for at least a year and a half at night in the dark, following a star. Rich men traveling through dangerous territories, following a star. Are you following Christ like that in your life? Are you ready to face anything for God in your life? We face this danger in our lives. The enemy of your soul does not want you to serve God. How many of you can say, Pastor, I understand that when I try to give my everything to God, things get harder. Why is it that Christians seem more confused when they're giving their everything to God? That's the way you don't know which way to go. At that point, you're done. It is amazing that as we look harder into this story, you can relate it to your lives. That the enemy tries to, when you first come to God and you're chasing after God, for the first few weeks, everything is glorious. Everything is amazing. Everything is wonderful. Everything is perfect. You better go ahead now. Ada is in the building. So these men have been traveling an extreme distance for an extremely long period of time. They were knowingly facing all these things. Can I ask you a question? Are you striving to serve God? Are you pushing forward like they were to see King Jesus? It ain't you in line, it's hard. Are we pushing and pressing past the dangers of everything you face in your life? Are you thirsty for God's word? Are you thirsty for the things? Or are you ending 2010 just like you ended 2009, but now you're just sitting in the church, but living the same exact way you were last year? It is awfully quiet today. There's a price to pay when you follow a true king. There's a price to pay when you follow a King Jesus, amen? There's a, a way you have to live, things that have to change, that are no longer okay, that you used to do before, but you can no longer do now when you're following God. 
So is why so many young people say, I'm not ready for that dedication level to God. Not realizing they're missing the best time of their life. Too many people say, I'm not ready to do that whole dedication to God. I'm just going over there to look at the girls, look at the guys, whatever it is you do. I'm going because it makes me feel good. Too many Christians come to church on Sunday because it makes them feel good. When coming to church on Sunday is about making God feel good. Y'all not ready for that one. That's a whole other message. I'm not going to go there today. The Bible says that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. By looking at your faces, you are not overjoyed to be in church today. When they saw the star, they were over. I woke up this morning sick, and I was like, I got to go to church today. I'm excited about going to church today, knowing that I would see a bunch of people like this who stayed up too late eating penil and everything else, who had the itis all the way to 11 o'clock the next morning, and barely wanted to come to church, and half of them said, well, I'm going because my kids are doing something at church, so let me just go. So I had to know that I had to get my energy level up because I knew I was dealing with a bunch of mediocre Christians today. I'm gonna. <laughs> um, I can only surmise that the prior to their journey, these wise men undoubtedly weighed the pros and the cons of where they were going. They weighed the things they were doing, what would profit them and what would not, but they saw it fit nonetheless to seek after God after they knew and talked about all the dangers they would face. When you are following God in your life, ask yourself this question. Are you really saying it's going to benefit me more? Are you saying to yourself, if I don't follow him, this will happen, that will happen? Or are you just making decisions? I want to face the toughest stuff life has to throw at me and be able to say that God got me through it. To not end up back at the altar, laying down the foundation of repentance again. Too many of us spend our Sundays, we spend our, our weekends doing whatever we want our weeks, and every Sunday we come and lay down that foundation of salvation and say, I got to give it all back to God. I got to give it all back to God because I could mess up all week long. I'm challenging you guys that this year coming up can be one of the most phenomenal years. If you realize right now, this moment, yesterday, that we celebrated the greatest moment in human history. I want to read you a last part of the scripture. Verse 12 says this, speaking of the wise men. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And because I knew you would not understand the depth of that, I decided to go into myself and write a little notation about that verse because you wouldn't be excited about it. I'm going to read it again. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to hear it, they returned to their country by another route. To me, when I read that, it shouts out to me that no matter who it is, what time frame, when you come to meet Jesus, you never leave the same. You can't come back the same way. Y'all not ready for this one. That you have to understand, they saw Jesus and knew they could not return the same way in which they came because they were going to die. Just like when you come to Christ, you realize, I can't live my life the way I used to. It's going to lead to an eternal death. And he said, I'm not going back that way. I realize they're going to kill me. Tell the person next to you, are you changed by Christ? It's another piece of scriptural truth that when you're in the presence of God, the king, 
when you come in contact with it, that you will never, ever, ever be the same. The Bible says that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I've always told you, it doesn't matter what truth it is. You might find one of two truths. You might find the truth that you're living in sin, and you repent. Or you find the truth that your life is a mess, and you're going to keep it that way. Either way, you know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So verse 12 again, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return by another route. They return, tell your neighbor, they return by another route. They face this trial, this tribulation following Christ. How many of you can say, Pastor, I've been facing some tough stuff in life. I've been facing some issues, and ever since I, ever since I made this decision, things got a little harder. We should not have to wait till we're facing the toughest stuff to turn to God. We should wait till we face that tough stuff to lean on God. Because he's right there with us. That was weak. But this side was stronger than this side. So I'm going to preach to y'all. <laughs> I got you, Ivan. Hey, come on, Ada. You better go, girl. Is that velvet? I'm just kidding. Let me stop. We have to understand, I want you to take three points away from today, amen? Number one, there's a cost of following Christ. This ain't free. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be arduous. It's going to be just the toughest stuff life has to throw at you. I guarantee you in this room right now, 95% of you have a desire to serve God to your fullest potential, but just don't know how to make that choice. Don't know what steps to take. Feel as if you are unprepared, inadequate, not good enough, unworthy. The, the fact of the matter is you are unprepared, you are inadequate, and you are not worthy, and you are not good enough. But that's what makes it so beautiful that you do not have to have those things to be able to come in contact with Jesus Christ. You don't have to be perfect. I love being a Christian because it is a proclamation that I am not perfect. Amen. Tell the person next to you, I'm going to make mistakes, and you just might see them. But don't judge me, because I'm following my king. I just love when somebody pulls that Christian card on me. You know what I tell them, I told you before, I'm not Jesus, I just work for him. We're following a massive, wonderful God. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that any who would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Come on, stand with me right now. I believe that we should strive to see God. We should be pushing past, uh, past the, the issues and the dangers that we do face, that we should be fighting for something greater and bigger than ourselves. We should be pushing past everything we're facing and realize that we're not settling. I'm going to settle to not settle anymore. Amen. 
if you can get that, if you can't get a CD. I'm going to make a decision. That I, is that Jesus calling? I don't know. I'm going to make a decision that it's all or nothing. It's got to be all or nothing in your life. At what point, we've, many of us have sat or stood or did whatever you did in this church to the majority of us for 52 Sundays and 52 Wednesdays this year. And I challenge you that where is all that stuff we taught and teach and preach in this place? How is it applied to your life and what are you doing with it? Come on, grab the hand of the person next to you. Where are my musicians at, Manny? Oh, there you guys go. What are you waiting for? You know when people stand up, you got to be up here. Play something spiritual. Come on. Give me two more minutes and I'll be out of your way, amen? Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. I believe in this place today, there's a collective of people who just are going through the motions of life. People who just desire God in amazing ways, desire to see God in amazing facets of their life, but haven't found an outlet. Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I don't even want to call you to the front. I want to ask you if that's you, I want you just to lift your hands and say, I want, to, I, want, I want that, I want that. Pastor, I want to see what you see. I want to feel how you feel. I want that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Seven hands up. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. You say, I'm done. Fifteen. I'm sixteen. I'm done with the way I'm living. And I need to have more of God in my life. I need to have more. I need to experience this in a deeper level of my life. Come on, if that's you, just raise your hand. Anybody else? I want to give you just a second. Is there anybody else? Is there not one more? Is there not one more? Is there not one more in this place? Is there not one more? Come on, I'll give you a second here. Come on, give me G. Give me G, Elias. Give me G. There's no prayer more powerful than your own. There's no more prayer powerful than your own. Because you know yourself better than anybody. And you know how much you need exactly of what you need. And so I tell you that when you pray for yourself, that there is a power that I can never equal in your life. Nobody's going to pray for me like I pray for myself. Because I love myself more than you love me. So I dare you right now to pray to yourself and say, God, I need you right now. God, I need your presence right now. I need your glory. I need to give you my life right now, Holy Spirit. Father, that you can have your way right now in our hearts and minds. Give myself away. Come on, somebody tell them. Oh, I give myself away. Come on, just so you... Give myself away. Come on, if that's you who you raised your hand to tell Oh, I give myself away. Come on, just so you. Give myself away. Come on, oh, we belong to you, Jesus. Just so you. You belong. Come on, let's tell him I give. Give myself away. 
Oh, I belong to you, Jesus. When I give, myself right now. Okay, Heavenly Father, we just come into your presence right now, God. Believing for more, God. Believing that we're turning our lives over to you right now. That every person who raised their hand, God, you will continue to manifest in their life in an unimaginable way, God. For every person who made a decision for you today, God. That you would guide their steps, their hearts, their minds, God. God, that you would be a provider for them in their time of need, God. A comforter in their time of hurt, God. God, that you would always be a compass in their lives, God. Telling us what direction in which to go, Father. We need you in this house right now. Father, we love you all over this room. We thank you, Lord the sacrifice that you made for the son that you sent God and we ask you God right now that we seek more of you like never before God that you would awaken in us a thirst and a hunger God a fire for you God come on and the church says amen come on turn around and give somebody a hug and tell them you love them in the love of the Lord